0: Hi, I'm Elise.
1: I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series.
0: This week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 15, Sons of Moog, teleplay by Ronald D. Moore and directed by David Livingston. Sons of Moog aired on February 12th, 1996. (laughs)
1: This week on Deep Space Nine, Worf's brother Kern arrives on the station and asks Worf to kill him. Meanwhile, Klingon ships are detected outside Bajoran space. So Elise, we'll start this episode the same way we start every episode, trying to take over the world? No. Uh, that's a Pinky and Brain reference for all the children.
0: Every time you say it, I think to myself, Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Like, every time.
1: There <laughs> so you go. Similar wavelength. Yes. Alright, did you or did you not remember this episode?
0: Um, I remembered that there was an episode called Sons of Moog, and that it had to do with something regarding Worf's brother, but I did not remember what exactly happened. But... Once I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. So it didn't seem completely foreign to me.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd forgotten that there was a B-plot with the Klingon ships outside Bajoran space. Can
0: I tell you something really funny? I forgot there was a B-plot between watching the episode and writing my notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, it exists and then it does. They do, like, fishtail or dovetail very nicely. And, like, the plot's, like... Crossover, right? Yes. Um but
0: I will say it's very it's been very weird to watch this episode right after watching the TNG episode Rightful Air. Um mm-hmm. I just finished mm-hmm. season six of TNG in my rewatch, so I'm almost done with that. And that is the episode where like the clone of Kalis shows up. <laughs>
1: The Emperor, who was referenced in this episode.
0: Yes. So, because I've been watching these simultaneously, my Klingon timeline is very fucked up. And, like, I really have a hard time remembering, like, where Worf sits with Galron at any given time because I've been watching both shows. And it's like, every time I go back to, you know, DS9, it's like, this is the future. It just, it's very confusing to remember, especially since. You know, we're at a part right now where, like, it's not that far after where i met in TNG. So it's just, I mean, obviously, Worf doesn't come to Deep Space Nine until after TNG is over. But it still was very, like, it's probably just a couple of years ago. It wasn't, like, ages ago.
1: Yeah, like, to put it in perspective or, like, whatever, um, this is, like only like from season six of tng like what like two-ish years later
0: yeah exactly right um one thing that this be- well one maybe benef- three yeah one benefit because this was night yeah so the where i'm watching i think is 1993 um yeah and so yeah three years later like two and a half maybe um one thing that's really been interesting though especially with Watching that episode and then watching this one is kind of the difference between how Picard and Cisco react to Klingon stuff. Um, I don't want this to sound like I'm insulting Cisco at all, but like Picard and we've talked about this a lot. Picard is like is an explorer, um, and Cisco is is not. That's not what his role is. So I always felt that Picard was a little bit more worldly. Um, than Cisco, because of that. And I think that he gave Worf more... I mean, granted, Cisco and Worf don't know each other that long at, at the point where we're at right now. But I did feel like Picard gave... Um... Even though Cisco is friends with Curzon and like knows about Klingons, I do feel like Picard gives Worf more leeway to do his... Klingon stuff than Cisco does like in rightful air um, Worf doesn't show up for his shift and Picard goes to see him and is basically like obviously that's not as bad as trying to kill someone um, but he's like go take care of it and then come back and then be here and like this episode Cisco is completely uninterested in any forms of explanations of why what happens happens just very different
1: i do think too that like you say the context you mentions matters too because like i can totally see cisco if like you know wharf was like distracted in the same way and you know saying hey take a vacation go do what you need to do i just think again it's it's the varying like levels of like severity and like i i think too and i don't it's been a while since i saw it but i think it's a more interesting kind of contrast between the two of them would be Picard's reaction to Worf killing Duras after Duras murdered mm. Kalar yeah. and like again That's it's fair. been it's yeah, been like, a while these two incidents of what
0: I just said are not anywhere equal like I, I fully with yeah. that
1: yeah but again just seeing them so close together too I can I can kind of yeah. see that but like I think Picard's pretty pissed but also like does recognize that, like, the Klingons don't have an issue with it and don't consider it, like, murder right. and, you know. Yeah, whatever. I think it's but that it it's like... that
0: bit that's different for me. I think that Picard yeah. knows that and Sisko's not interested in that, at least in the situation that is happening here. I mean, Sisko yeah. has every right to be furious. This is happening, like, at the station, so he's basically doing this murder at his job, you know? <laughs> like... I, I get it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now I'm sad about Kaylor. I am in my Kaylor feels.
1: <sighs> well, and it's like, yeah, I mean, we'll get to the end. We, we get to yeah. the end.
0: So um. real quick before, um, one thing else I wanted to say just about this episode in general was that it was Tony Todd is in it. And this is not the first time that we've seen Tony Todd. Um, he was in The Visitor, he played older Jake, um, and all I just wanted to say is he looks shorter in this episode than he did in The Visitor, and I th- and, um, our friend Tessa was like, maybe that's because he's standing next to Michael Dorn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How tall is Michael? I know Tony Todd is tall, but I don't
0: really Yeah, but, like, ta- but Kern, like, didn't seem as tall as, like, tall Jake, but also Jake was standing next to that college student, so, like, he wouldn't have looked short.
1: Yeah, Michael Dorn's 6'4". Okay.
0: What's Tony Todd? 6'5".
1: Damn.
0: So. It must have just been the perspectives then.
1: Well, Or maybe I mean, they mean gave worth like, lifts or something. Shoes. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say platforms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so speaking of rightful air, which I mentioned earlier, um, I just want to segue a little bit. I was in England recently visiting my sister and also friend of the pod, Lossie, and Lazie and I popped into a comic book shop, and I found this, like, lovely connect collection of, like, British versions of Star Trek Monthly magazine while I was there, and I bought the one from September 1995, which is the beginning of the season that we're currently podcasting about. So I found they had a really... Cute little article about it has just been confirmed that Worf was going to be joining Deep Space Nine. So I was gonna read this if you don't mind. Please. And it's of course titled "The Best of Both," uh, the best of all worlds. <laughs> It's now been confirmed that Star Trek The Next Generation's Worf will be joining the mixed Starfleet Bajoran crew aboard Deep Space Nine Space Station for Season 4. Lieutenant Commander Worf comes aboard in response to the Changeling threat from the Gamma Quadrant and assumes control of tactical operations in the first episode of the new season. Also featured in this episode is Robert O'Reilly, who plays Gowron, the Chancellor of the Klingon High Council. Reports of the transfer, the results of increasing Klingon concern at Changeling infiltration of the Alpha Quadrant, broke in early July and confirmed rumors that had been circulating on both sides of the Atlantic for some time. It reflects just some of the plot points regarding the changing attitudes between the Federation and the Klingon Empire rumored to be part of the upcoming season. Reactions to the move have been various, ranging from those who have seen it as a cynical marketing ploy to the kinder who simply welcome the return of probably everyone's favorite Klingon. Michael Dorn is, of course, no stranger to the space station. He first visited the facility in the two-part Star Trek TNG season six story Birthright. Unable to put aliens behind him, Michael Dorn was recently seen in, in an episode of Outer Limits, in which his character is taken over by an alien influence. Oddly enough, he suffers the same fate again in Amanda and the Alien, an upcoming television film for the U.S. market with Nicole Eggert. Later this year, he appears in the big screen feature film Time Master, released in the U.S. earlier this month. And this was written by... I'm not sure who, someone in this... But the reason why I said speaking of... <clears throat> rightful air is that you can't see it because podcast is audio but there's a picture of Worf from the episode rightful air on this page so I got excited about that
1: it's like casually leaning back looks like he's yeah. wearing some casual Klingon clothes
0: yeah I love it this was such a fun find I was so they had a bunch of them but this one had um, Kira on the cover so I knew I had to buy it and it was only a few quid so it was worth it i'm saying quid now I, <laughs> i'm still I I'm, done, I'm, done, admit, I'm done i'm done i'm done i'm want to comment on that i'm done saying toilet like that only lasted like a few days um i do find myself saying oh dear which is something that my sister and her husband and laws all say um, oh dear oh dear but yeah <laughs> it's just very silly
1: how was your niece
0: She's good. She's she's basically, well, she was taking steps when I was there, but now she's just, she's walking.
1: Nice. Nice. All right. So this isn't my candidate for most Star Trek thing of the episode, but it could be. Um, Klingons have a ritual for everything.
0: <laughs> it's so specific. Oh, my God. I was hysterical when I was like, this is like, Oh, my! like I have an inflamed toenail. Okay, well, you do this ritual for an inflamed toenail. Like, it's just very, like... I don't actually have an inflamed toenail. It just was the first thing to come to mind.
1: Well, I know of at least, including the Maktavar, Maktavor, whatever it is called in this episode, there's two very distinct ritualistic suicides in Klingon culture, right? There's the Maktavar, which we deal with in this episode and in the next generation episode ethics there's the hegbot which is also a ritualistic suicide um committed by someone else but in that case is that's like a a euthanasia sort of one right where it's like if you're i'm
0: trying to remember
1: it's called ethics it's the one where wharf gets paralyzed
0: yes 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 okay i just i'm not as good as at remembering the episode titles but i definitely know what you're talking about
1: yeah, facing a life of paralysis, Worf asked William T. Recker to perform their ritual. Recker yeah. declines, not wishing to see Worf die. Um, Spoiler alert it doesn't happen. But it's also weird because when Riker later reminded Worf that Whose Duty is primarily, similarly, correctly, the Worf is not able to bring himself to ask Alexander to kill him because it should be family. Um, so that's the Hegbot. Which, according to Klingon law and ritual, could not stand and face their enemies as a warrior. They become a burden to their friends and family. It was time for the Hegbot. And then, Elise, can you tell us once again, and the listeners, what the Mokhtovar ritual
0: is for? Yes, it was a Klingon ritual. This is so fucking specific. I I can't almost not say it with a straight face that allowed a klingon to kill a wrongfully disgraced sibling to restore their honor in the afterlife and ensure and ensuring entry to Stovercore and you needed some a ad- adonji ad- incense um not and, the replicated stuff the real stuff and a mevac dagger um so basically you it's like so funny that like if it was a parent, would it be like, a, it would probably be a different ritual? Like, I wonder if you had to kill a, a parent to like help them go to Stovacore, like, would you use a different kind of incense or would it be like a different dagger or would it just be a different name because of different people involved? I have so many questions.
1: Yeah, that'd be the Pak tovar not the Mok. Mok is sibling in Klingon? It'd be Pok, like parent. I don't know. I don't even know what Mok is in Klingon. It
0: sounded really plausible, so I was going with, with your suggestion. <laughs> so, since we... So, because um, Worf decided to go against Gowron, which is something I'm laughing because that's part of where I'm like, I never know where he is with him. Um, Kern has lost his seat on the High Council. He, they, their family has lost their property, and Kern's basically like, "You fucked up, bro. Like, you really dishonored me, and now I can't. I have no influence anymore. Um, so you should kill me so that I can find honor in death." And Worf says,
1: "Okay." Yeah, Worf, and I mean, I think Worf's also like processing like, like guilt because like I think Kern has. Has a good point where it's like, oh, cool. You chose to, you know, yeah, you made your decision for your honor, and like you're protected. Yeah, Worf like you, has didn't, other you didn't have to live, doesn't have, you don't have to yeah. live with the consequences of that decision, exactly. Because I mean, you have this or other life, the, the, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, because Worf has his Starfleet life, and that is not, he still has purpose for himself. And Kern is just like, okay, well, now I'm just fucked, yeah. Um. I do. So obviously um, this plan gets foiled because Jadzia knows so much about Klingons that she's like, he needed the incense. Oh, no. Um, And so Odo and Jax go in and stop this. Like he does stab him, but they're able to get Kern to the sickbay really quickly. And Kern is really angry that Worf didn't try to kill whoever stopped him like he's like you should have been fighting for this and then they decide to put him in a job um oh you're healed now you're going to be a Bajoran security officer
1: yeah I, I feel like my largest concern or criticism of how Kern is is treated or whatever I was going through it in this um, episode is no like they're trying to help Kern and like again Kern just wants to die and I get yeah, that that's he what he wants yeah he le- basically
0: tries to let someone that he's supposed to be like fighting for, in his new security role like he basically like lets them attempt to kill him
1: but it's like no one at the same time is like saying no Kern I don't want to do that what I mean like trying to like like there's just no I think a lot of like Kern's not given a lot of agency and right. like I can fully appreciate them not wanting to kill him or you know participate in the ritual or anything else like that. But it's like it's a lot of wharf throwing shit at Kern to do. Yeah. To try and help him. I would and say it's Kern like, but... has
0: almost no agency in this episode.
1: Well and ultimately in the con- do you want to just go to the conclusion now and we can talk about that.
0: Yeah that's fine because it's like going to be hard to avoid it. I hate this so much. I literally hate
1: this. It's interesting that it's presented as you know, the better Kirk option. defeating the <laughs> yeah Kirk defeating the Kobayashi Maru because it's original thinking. So like, current everyone gets what they want, right? Or like, <laughs> Kern dies, but Worf doesn't actually physically kill him. They just. I don't know, memory wipe him. Neuro, and use the neuralizer from his Men in Black.
0: And pretend well, that they, he's like the son of some friend that they have. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they just give him a new identity. They yeah. like brainwash him and give but him a But he new
0: doesn't have all the information. It's like if you were severanced, but you didn't know. Like, like you didn't have a choice in the matter. I don't know if you watched that show, but... I really had a hard time A, that Dax basically suggested this, and then B, that Bashir went along with it. It seems completely against medical ethics to me. Um, Like, I feel like they should have gone to, like, some, some shady place and had this done, because it does not make any sense to me that Bashir would be involved with this. Like, they should have gone where... They should have gone to that place in Minority Report where Tom Cruise gets his (laughs) new eyeballs from the Russian space station guy from Armageddon.
1: Uh, Is that Peter Stormare? Is that who plays him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Russian space station. Um, I always forget that guy's name, and I literally just call him the Russian space station guy for, like, 25 years. (laughs) Sorry to that man. But, yeah, um, like... It just makes no sense that this is happening, like in a Starfleet sick bay. Like, I don't, I don't believe it. I mean, I do believe it because I saw it, but like, I, it's n- m- ridiculous to me.
1: Well, it just seems like this weird legal ease out because, like, it is still murder. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that 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 physical body exists, but like his identity doesn't. Like, I, like, I don't know. Just yeah. I mean, I, mean, you I said get it's Worf, still murder.
0: Re- I wanted you to sing the um, the Jaw Rule song, like it's murder, but I don't really remember how that goes.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Otherwise, I probably would. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, I get that Worf is the regular on the show, and like this is a air quotes Wharf episode. Um, so it's all about Worf and Warf's feelings, and it's like the I have no family at the end. It's like, bitch, you have a son. You're an yeah, like, absentee it. I, father. To
0: be, to be fair, I often forget about Alexander as well, but he's also not my child. <laughs>
1: uh, so it's like, it's, yeah. Mm. This episode's more about Worf than it is about Kern. And like, yeah. I get it, but it just, the fact that like Kern isn't given any choices and no one like seeks to actually like journey with him through this depressive episode it's just ultimately like here try this here try this or yes yeah. i will kill you oh no here try this or like oh i'll science fiction kill you not you know whatever. yeah it's just
0: yeah yeah it does yeah. feel very much like someone going through a depressive episode and needing support and just being given like tasks to do yeah yeah on not a great mob. On a much less bad, uh, on a part, on a part of the episode that I actually enjoyed, um, I'm really, really enjoying Worf and Dax becoming confidants. Um, we've never seen Worf really open up to anyone, on both of his shows. Like he never had someone that he really related to. Um, I mean, a little bit, you know. He, I think he and Tasha Yar were friendly. Um, I think he and Riker had some things in common, um, but like he didn't. He doesn't really have, like, someone that he's friends with, really, on TNG, I don't think. Um, And Dax has a lot of knowledge with regard to Klingons, so he unders- And, so, like, two parts. Like, Dax understands the Klingon culture and understands Federation culture. So she's, like, almost uniquely a good person for him to talk to, and it really helps, I'm sure, that um, she's lovely and very- funny and cool and the best person ever. Um, it just makes me so happy to see Wharf opening up to someone in general. Plus, they have some nice sexual tension when they're fighting <laughs> together, when they're practicing their fighting skills.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some flirting going on there.
0: Yeah, he's like, you tried to trick me with your outfit. <laughs> and then she was like, what are you talking about? And then, like, smiles when she looks away. And I'm like, get it, girl.
1: And then she's basically like, You're distracting me with all those, like, uh, grunts and everything else. That was hot.
0: I did like that also. Like, the friendship seems to go both ways. Like, he's very understanding of her and she's very understanding of him. Like, he wasn't mad at her. I mean, half of him probably wasn't mad at her for interrupting him because he probably didn't want to actually kill his brother. But the other part was, like, he understood her, her motivations and that in her culture that is not something that you do and that she was probably also thinking about his Starfleet co- career and things that he wasn't considering. And it just made me happy that he didn't blame her or resent her after she stopped him.
1: Well, yeah, because she goes to apologize and he's like, yes. you were following your conscience. There's, you know, and what is more honorable than that? Or yeah.
0: Whatever he says. But he's, I think the whole point, I think the whole, like, the whole Wharf aspect of this episode is really just to show that Wharf doesn't fit in, feel like he fits in with the Klingons anymore. Um, you have that scene later where they go to um, get the information from that ship that is in the part of the plot we haven't discussed yet. Um, and he, and that Kern kills that lieutenant guy. And he's like, I didn't even notice that that guy was trying to kill us. Like, he's like, where are my instincts? So I think he's feeling really disconnected from from the Klingons right now. And him, quote unquote, killing his brother is kind of like the last nail in that coffin of his ties to the Klingons as of now.
1: I like how there's seemingly no consequences or reprises from the Klingons for, you know... An officer of theirs being killed on the ship that while well, it was docked at Deep Space Nine ostensibly for medical aid.
0: Yeah, that is really weird. Um, that was definitely one of the loose ends on the episode. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: But yeah, the whole like, so there's this plot where <laughs> the Klingons the are. The plot like, I forgot about. <laughs> cl- are like cloaked mines outside Bajoran space. And like that, that whole exists so like you can have that. Climactic moment where yes. you know, Morph has this crisis, right? So,
0: yeah, and so it's very oh, we get a bunch of like because O'Brien and Kira are together on a runabout, and we get a bunch of like scenes of them just like in various like, first the runabout and then the defiant later, where I just felt like they kept changing the perspective because they're like, okay, this is one boring ass room, like, how can we make it look like not the same every time we pan back to them and i just felt like it looked like one time here it was in the background one time o'brien was in the background and i found that very funny like they're probably like okay how many ways can we film this one room
1: (laughs) yeah i really did like too the way like where after the the ritual fails and and kern wakes up in the infirmary the way that they did the pov shot so you had the pov of like kern's pov looking up at wharf and then wharf like looking down onto like kern to show the different levels i thought that was and i enjoyed that the design of those shots but
0: yeah one thing i will say and we were talking about this and i was watching it on friday with aj and tessa was it's so funny how different the like meetings are on ds9 compared to tng like tng they have that like rounded-ish um conference table and hear everyone just like in cisco's office leaning against stuff like having a conversation about what to do and like the just the i don't tactical. think that was in
1: the office that was in oh. the conference room they just weren't using the table okay so like,
0: sorry but st- my points that like almost proves yeah. my point more actually um like they're just so casual and just like okay we just need to get this done and it just felt it it's just, i saw a funny tweet or post or whatever this week that was like TOS is the standingest um, Star Trek and TNG is the sittingest Star Trek and then AJ and I decided that DS9 is the leaningest of all the Star Treks because they're just leaning against the the bisexual
1: lean Um, and that was also like an interesting kind of setup with that shot too because like it starts it's like a tracking shot or whatever right yeah it starts with Bashir getting the T and then you go through everyone gets their thing and it's like yeah. Did Julian just offer to get Jadzia tea, or is she the only one that wanted it when he got up and offered it to everyone? <laughs>
0: <laughs> or maybe Jedzia was like, uh, bitch, get me one too. So. I was just going to say to wrap up the, like, the mine story yeah. real quick. Um, they, you know, Kern and Worf steal the plans to where all the mines are, and then Kira, like, warns any... Because all the, you know, all the Klingons are like, cloaked so she she can't tell where they are so she just basically warns the whole area hey we're gonna blow these up and then like all of the decloaked like ships like come back into like cloak they like are on un- they- sorry all the cloaked ships like decloak and like leave and it's like yeah bitch we knew you were there i don't know why i'm saying bitch so much on this episode um but apparently that's where we are <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of where we are it's time to visit Altair four
0: yes
1: to have a big, big drink of the Altair Water Thirst Quencher. Altair Water first being mentioned in the context of Star Trek, ordered by Dr. McCoy in the bar in Star Trek 3, and then Alta from Altair 4 in The Forbidden Planet. Elise, who are you thirsting for this week?
0: Dax and Worf. As I said earlier, I love that they've become confidants, and I'm going to go as far as to call them playmates. <laughs>
1: Um, you get me yeah yeah that was that was also my my nominee for the altar water thirst quencher because again it for an episode that like has some some heavy themes and problematic plot resolutions (laughs) it starts pretty thirsty
0: yeah it really did
1: Because without that scene to be like, this isn't a thirsty episode and we've no. been there, but uh, I like, no.
0: yeah, I had to be like, okay, that is the only thing that is thirsty in this episode. Yeah. I guess Dax also wanting the tea, but, but literal thirst.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, my nominee for the most Star Trek thing of the episode was we have crew members returning from a thing as a reason for them to be on a runabout or shuttle to discover something or for something wrong to happen or whatever so it's not a conference it's a survey of the colonies but same difference
0: um i would just say mine is probably the non-main character having zero agency (laughs) um, because their plot doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things
1: was there anything else you wanted to cover in this episode
0: i don't think so you no i think i'm good you are good (laughs)
1: I'll be even better when we're done and I start posting the podcast again
0: all right
1: Elise until next time where can folks find more of you on the internet
0: you can find me on letterboxd and storygraph at chicken double underscore tendy that's t-n-d-i you can find me on blue sky at chicken tendy you can find my other podcast fang bangers pod on twitter instagram and blue sky at fang bangers pod that's bangers with a z as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, you can find me on most socials is at Matty like letterboxed, blue sky, I guess Twitter X or whatever. Occasionally. <laughs> I've officially
0: <laughs> deleted mine this week. I'm so yeah, I saw, I saw that.
1: I <sighs> occasionally, I basically only log on to it when I think I have like some pithy comment that. Yeah. I think might get more than two likes and then it doesn't because I don't use it enough so the algorithm yeah. pushes it down Just because <laughs> I, like, I still do have more followers right. there than Blue Sky. But. I still
0: feel like I'm kind of cheating because like, I have the Pod Rates and the Pod Twitter accounts. Like I'm not deleting those, so it's just like I can still poke around a little bit. But like yeah, I don't need to go. like be checking it every day.
1: You can catch all of us together, speaking of which, all of us. At, on Twitter, Instagram, on Blue Sky at PodRace. And you can also email us at PodRace at gmail.com.
0: Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you again to our editor, Melissa, and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song.
1: And until next time, computer and program.
0: Bye.